everybody, and welcome to another episode of Conveyancing Coffee Break with me, Mandy Brown, and Richard Snape. Hello. Today, we're going to be talking about the case of Browning and Jack. Apparently, it's about easements with an upper tribunal decision from December 2021, which has only just come to light. Richard, can you tell us a little bit about the background to it? Yeah, it's, it's um, partially reversing the first tier tribunal. Uh, so the case is from December 2021. We'll know at the beginning of February 2022, but uh, it didn't feature in LexisNexis until a few days ago. Shall I set the scene? That would be perfect. Thank you. Uh, I'll give you a bit of history, a nice sort of give it a bit of a human story. It all took place in Cornwall, in southeast Cornwall. Apologies to any Cornish folk if I get the name wrong. It's probably a place called Truulfot, which uh, the law report says is uh, just outside Saltash. I'd say it's more... I, know, I, I do actually know it. I don't know how to pronounce it, but I do know where it is. It's on the A38 between Saltash and Liscard. And I must have driven past it over the years on many occasions. It was farmland. It was a farm called uh, Lower Clinic Farm, which um, seemed to back on to the A38, to the north of the A38, which was once part of Higher Clinic Farm. And many years ago, again to set the scene, see, I'm feeling quite romantic about it. Back in 1922, uh, a farmer called Albert Jones uh, seemed to own both pieces of land. In 1957, his uh, granddaughter married a farmhand called Gerald Pote. It's a bit like Poldark, this one. They uh, presumably lived happily ever after. I've got no, no evidence one way or the other for that. Gerald Pote, uh, the, the farm itself, Low Clinic Farm, consisted of a cottage and about 22 acres of uh, pasture land. And uh, Gerald Pote uh, bought the past, uh, pasture land. It was a conveyance in 1994. Uh, for whatever, in 1995, there was a deed of gift of the cottage. For whatever reason, the uh, sellers reserved rights over Lower Clinic Farm, uh, but uh, they uh, didn't have any express rights, easements, and the likes uh, of access in particular given to themselves. There was no grant, which seems odd. I mean, these were not antiquated conveyances. This was from the 1990s, and uh, no one seems to have thought it odd that there were no express rights. And it doesn't really make clear in the law report uh, you know, what the background to that was. I presume there was no problem for years after years. Uh, they just continued using this track and this dirt track to, to access the road, uh, and no one seems to have bothered. Um, back in 2006, the cottage and the farm was sold to um, Mr. and Mrs. Well, Mr. Browning originally. I think Mrs. Browning was put on title in 2014. And again, no one seems to have spotted the fact that there was no access way available. Uh, to this premises. When they, I suppose the last thing by way of like setting the scene is that when the initial conveyance occurred in 1994 of the pasture land, there was a covenant that uh, they must maintain and repair forever hereafter uh, a stock-proof fence in good condition and they put a fence up within one month of a request but no fence seems to have been put up. Jack eventually became uh, the proprietor of Higher Clinic Farm. I'd have called it up at Clinic Farm before, but it's Higher Clinic Farm. And uh, again, there's nothing in the law report, but I presume some dispute occurred. And um, the argument in the case was about uh, whether we got implied easements. So can you tell me about the law and the decision? It goes back to sort of degree level land law, people remember from their studies. It's about ways of implying easements in the two uh, 
which are the two most common, Wheeldon and Burroughs, the real rule in Wheeldon and Burroughs, this Court of Appeal case from 1879, and Section 62 of the Law of Property Act uh, 1925. The first argument related to Wheeldon and Burroughs uh, and the um, whether you could imply easements. Uh, William Burrister, to remind people, basically says if you've got to uh, start off with unity of season, same ownership of all the land, which originally there was, and rights were continuous and apparent, an obvious track necessary to reasonable enjoyment, then when you divide the land, those uh, quasi easements that are cut called, you know, things that could be easements, but for the fact you can't have easements over your own land, uh, it will become implied easements. Uh, they're actually implied into the contract and then would be implied into the conveyance. Now, that's subject to, you know, a contrary intention. And uh, the upper tribunal agreed with the first tier tribunal because you had to put up a fence um, as part of the conveyance and maintain it forever hereafter. Um, it couldn't be implied that uh, you know, there was a contrary provision, if you like. It couldn't, you know, Wheeldon and Burroughs couldn't be implied. You know, it was obvious the case that the fence was meant to stop you using the track, and that failed. So the upper tribunal agreed with the first tier tribunal on that. But uh, they went on to talk about uh, Section 62 of the Law of Property Act. Um, which um, can also imply easements on a conveyance. It didn't talk about this in the law report, but Section 62, the problem is that, well, there's a case called Sovmots and Secretary of State for Environment about Centre Point in, in London. Some of you will be familiar with from the 1979 case, the House of Lords case, that said uh, you have to start off before the conveyance with uh, diversity of ownership and occupation, like a landlord and tenant relationship, and then you go through a conveyance like buying the freehold or a lease renewal. But there have been some controversial cases, including one called Wooden Waddington, Court of Appeal case in 2015, that said you can also imply easements in Section 62 on the conveyance if the right that you're claiming was continuous and apparent. And they said that uh, this obviously was continuous and apparent. There was a, this trackway. They said for Section 62, you can always exclude Section 62. Section 62, subsection 4 allows that. But the upper tribunal, unlike the first tier tribunal, said that the exclusion must be expressed. They dug up a case called the Commission for Newtown and uh, Gallagher. Uh, from 2002, a high court case. And this wasn't expressed just because there was a fence to be put up and the likes that didn't expressly exclude Section 62. So they actually succeeded in the access way to the cottage using Section 62. And that was the decision. So what can we learn from this? I think the most obvious thing is that what you learn from this is make sure you include express easements of access. It's fairly fundamental and uh, not on just in the initial transfer of part and whatever that was in 1994-95 but you know Scotland when you go through the subsequent conveyance in 2002 and I have to say Andy the alternative um, I'm, I'm sure there must have been some sort of dispute going on but the alternative if there wasn't a dispute is probably insurance and that's it. Thank you very much and thank you Richard for another very informative update. Well my pleasure. <laughs> Until next time. You have been listening to another episode of Convancing Coffee Break, the only podcast for busy convincing professionals, brought to you by Lawshore Insurance, the UK's leading provider of title insurance. For more information on our free conferences, go to www.lawshoreinsurance.co.uk where you can download recent conference recordings.